Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live a Little, this crazy little podcast about everything and nothing. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, joined, as always, by Greg Graber, educator and mindfulness guru. Greg, this is episode number 12 for us. And once again, we're recording in the morning because of our crazy schedules, and uh, therefore there's no beer. So this is going to be yet another sober edition of the podcast. Um, we're going to talk about what's happening. Got some recommendations, grievances, a, a look at what's ahead. And I understand that you have some some airline stories that you've got to share couple. with us. I'm going to try not to go on and on about them, but we said as soon as we started traveling again, they would pop up, and sure enough, uh, they have. They but have. It's good to be home for a minute. It is good to be home for a minute, and I'm going to be leaving in, in a few hours. What's happening? Well, uh, those of you who have been following the Grizzlies, you know that there they, it is a four-game losing streak. They and the Houston Rockets at the moment are the only two winless teams in the NBA, but then again, the Grizzlies are missing basically half their roster. We knew that Stephen Adams would be missing uh, the season, or we found out right at the start of the season. Uh, Brandon Clark gone for most of, if not all, the season with the Achilles tear. And then Luke Kennard gets a concussion in the first game against New Orleans. Santi Aldama sprains an ankle, so he's not been available yet in the regular season. And uh, the Grizzlies are going west for three games. Uh, so I, in addition to recording the podcast, we've got uh, packing, got game prep to do. Uh, an NBA conference call before I get on the plane today. And oh, by the way, we are doing a Halloween flight to the West Coast. Taylor Jenkins has decreed that everybody on the charter will be dressed in costume. Uh, this came about uh, a couple weeks ago. The last preseason game in Milwaukee was not televised. So Brevin Fish and I were not on the plane. But Eric Hasseltine, our radio announcer who did call the game for radio, was there and Taylor Jenkins walked to the back of the plane and said to him, tell all those TV people, I mean, everybody's going to be in costume when we fly to Salt Lake City on October 31st. And when Eric texted us, we all like, come on, this is, this is, this is not April 1st. This, is, this has got to be a joke, right? I'm like, no, it's not a joke. When we were flying back from Washington Saturday night after the game, Taylor came to the back of the plane. He was all fired up <laughs> that everybody dress in costume. So uh, people have been uh, people have been scrambling. Now it's going to be competitive. We understand that there are restaurant gift cards um, available, made available to the winners. So we will see how all that plays out. Um, how do you rate your chances? I know you're going as the dude. As from, the dude, yeah, yeah, from the Big Lebowski. I I don't know because you just don't know how creative people can get. I think one of the best. Now do you remember the the? Uh, I think it was a spring training game. Randy Johnson threw a fastball and the bird exploded. Randy Johnson with the mullet. He was like six eight. Yeah, huge guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, this this was the best costume that that I saw on the internet. Was the guy dressed as Randy Johnson? Really, really looked like him with the mullet and the big mustache and everything. And he had his girlfriend dress up in in white feathers, <laughs> with with like red splotches. And I thought I thought that was a particularly um, hard to beat. That one. That's that that one is hard to beat. I have no idea, um, but I, I've got I've got the bowling shirt. I've I've got the wig. Uh, I've got got the goatee. I've got the plaid shorts. You know, people are saying, well, you know, you need to take along a carton of milk and have a white Russian when you get on the plane. It's like. Look, it's a three-hour flight. Be a I'm, good excuse to drink, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it would be. So, so that's kind of the story. Uh, that's kind of the story with that. Um, and then last night at, at the game against Dallas, we had some international visitors, which which was very very cool. Um, we had um, Angus from Australia, from Melbourne, who is doing like a three-week grand tour of the United States. I saw that on X. That that's really cool. Yeah. Hey, he's a big fan. Huh? He's he's a big fan. Watches our games in Australia, which I don't even know like what hour of the day he's he's watching games. We also had a fan from Chile there, 
And speaking of X, how about shout out to Elon Musk taking a company worth $44 billion and dropping it down in value to $19 billion per, uh, per some note that was sent to the staff yesterday. Midas touch. Financial savant. <laughs> yes. Hopefully he gets a nice tax write-off. Exactly. Least, exactly. Not. And um, also, and I'm going to save this for a little bit later, but we actually have some... We have four five-star reviews. God bless you, four people, perfect. whoever you are. Yes, we're perfect. Hopefully the Grizzlies free throw shooting can reach that percentage. <laughs> and uh, yeah, last night last night was pretty bad. They were good until last night. Um, and then also we have a couple comments, and I did promise. I did promise if anybody commented uh, on the uh, iTunes website that I would read those comments on the air. So... Uh, so we will do that. Good so, comments, please. I need those at this point. We, 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 need, a- we definitely need some positive reinforcement because, you know, you, you pointed out to me on, on Twitter slash X that, you know, somebody was saying that the only reason that podcasts exist are for guys to talk to each other. I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And that's not true. We talk when we go to the brass door and watch Arsenal. We'll comment about the bad kick or the... <laughs> Messed up call by the referee. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, yeah, the 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 quality, the quality some, of the food, or, or the the satellite not working, some, or <laughs> some in depth, you know, conversation there, getting so, all into our feels. Yeah. So now you had a really, really uh, cool trip to two very, very different cities. In- I, yeah, I like to call it the sacred and the profane. Right. We can start <laughs> with the profane was New Orleans, not profane on my part, but it's it's funny. I used to go there as a kid, like everybody else, or a teenager, college student, young adult for different things, drink, chase girls. Now my priorities obviously are, are a little bit different. Bourbon Street remains the same. That's sort of the purgatory. <laughs> it change. It's interesting because New Orleans is really cool. I like to tell people it's one of the only quintessential, almost European-type cities we have in the South with the food influences and the French and the Spanish architecture. But you get on Bourbon Street, it's always had that pungent, purgatory-esque smell of urine and beer. Now they've added skunkweed. Mm-hmm. So we have the trifecta yeah. for purgatory. Um, I like to go on the streets, sort of on the periphery, that aren't Bourbon Street. Had some great meals. Uh, shout out to the Mid-South Sign Association. The keynote went really well to Hotel Monteleon, great hotel. Then I uh, flew, and we'll get into those tales in a little bit. <laughs> To Albany, New York, beautiful town. I've been there a bunch. I've worked with Sienna probably for about five years. I really love it, especially this time of year with the leaves changing. Uh, that was the sacred, mm-hmm. very peaceful. Always love working with Coach Carm and his guys at Sienna College. And, so. and I noticed that Sienna has a grotto just like Notre Dame. Really cool grotto. And there was a, this is what made me think of sort of the duality of the sacred and profane on this trip. I was walking by between sessions, always one to get my steps in, but two, it's just so peaceful to sit by the grotto. There was a, a younger, not a younger, a college student playing on a, her acoustic guitar, uh, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd and singing. Mm. It was so nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I've, I've been to that campus. I spent a week there many, many years ago, and it, it's a it's a beautiful spot, so glad that you had a chance to enjoy that. I, I've always loved New Orleans, but you're right. You walk down Bourbon Street and you have this feeling in the back of your mind, I really should not be here. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why, because I wasn't doing anything illicit. Or, no, but just, yeah, but just your but, presence there. Yeah, it just, just feels, I, feels wrong. I, I'm really out of place at this point in my life. Yeah. Now, have you ever been to a place called Croissant Dior? I have not. If you love breakfast sandwiches and bakery-type stuff, they serve breakfast and lunch. I think I want to say it's on Ursuline's. Mm. And uh, that's, that is a favorite, a favorite, favorite spot. And I mean... 
I mean, you got to go to Cafe Dumont. I mean, just do it out of just get, do it out of get habit. Get the sugar and the got to get the got to get the, the sugar and the caffeine. Yeah, I, I had a great dinner at GW Fen, which is outstanding. Okay. by the way, where where is that? In the in close the to the Hotel Montalon. Okay, yeah, right hmm. off of Bourbon Street. Have to have to check that out. I'm usually, uh, you know, everybody goes to Acme because Acme is like the famous. I, it's not that good. I, I'm not. Am I? Am I? Poo-pooing on no, you right now? No, 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 no. The the reason I say that is Glenn Cyprian, who used to be an assistant coach with with the Grizzlies, he's like a part owner. Oh, so, sorry, Glenn. <laughs> no, there goes a, there goes a review. Well, well, well. What's nice is like Glenn can get us a table because we'll say all you know all. He's an owner there. That's big time. I would he, think that's yeah, not cheap. He, no, no. So we wow. can so we can actually get a table. Yeah. Because you and you know it just it just pisses everybody else because there's just like a long line just, it's and okay. there's like oh you eight people yes you can go you can have a table I'm like who who are these people it's fine it's just not my favorite it's fine but he used to coach at the University of Memphis too right by the way. right yeah. and he was he was the guy that uh, helped bring Tony Allen to uh, to Memphis in the first place here's here's my secret go to Felix's across the street Felix is good Galatoire's is good mm-hmm. there's a it's hard to get a bad meal. There. If you, you got to yeah. really try. Yeah, if you if you do, you're you're clearly doing it wrong. Uh, let's get into some recommendations. And we were talking about yeah, podcast two guys talking to each other. You like the comedian Craig Ferguson? Really like him. Love Craig Ferguson. Scottish. Love the accent. Uh, did love what is it? The late 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 show on on CBS and is doing uh, a stand up tour right now, uh, the Fancy Rascal tour, which I think is kind of a cool title. And I actually did get to see him. When he was in Tunica, he's got a podcast now, and it's relatively new. It's called Joy, and the premise is that he's talking to people and talking to them about things that bring them joy. Now, the latest edition, the one that that I that I just listened to, was him with Lewis Black. Joy and Lewis Black just it just doesn't <laughs> seem to go together. If you've ever if you've ever seen Lewis Black or you've heard his act, he's morose. He he, he he can be morose. Yes, he can. But it is a fascinating conversation because these guys are friends in real life. So this is a very friendly conversation where they talk about you know where do comedians come from? Is it the way that your parents treated you? Is it your religious upbringing? What is it that you know prompts you to go into this business? They talk about bombing on stage and, and, and what that means. They talk about their early lives, talk about their, their struggles with, uh, with drugs and alcohol uh, and the current state of comedy, young comedians coming up, where they go, the dive bars they go to to work on their material. And uh, I don't know that it's the most joyful conversation, but it's a, it, it's a lot of fun. And I really like Craig Ferguson, and I do like Lewis Black, and it's a fun, fun conversation. So uh, Joy, the podcast with Craig Ferguson, would be, uh, would be my recommendation. We'll check that out. Speaking of podcasts, I sent you a trailer yesterday of one I'm really excited about. It sounds like it's going to be really good. This isn't my official recommendation, but something we can look at how it pans out is Mark Mason the best-selling author of, I'm trying to say this title without cussing, <laughs> um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Mm-hmm. We both read that book. Great book. Re- really enjoyed it. I gave a copy to Dave Yeager when he was the coach of the Grizzlies. He loved it. He has this common sense approach to like life in general from a psychological perspective. And it's, it's really funny. It's down to earth and it's straight shooting. I think this podcast is going to be really good. I've already sent the trailer to a couple friends and people that I work with. Yeah, he, uh, in addition to writing the book, he's got a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to, and I do subscribe to it. And the most recent edition was There's a Time to Be Nice, and then There's a Time to Not Be Nice. 
And you can't be nice all the time. If you're nice all the time to all the people, that's not good. There, there are some times where you have to plant your feet in the ground and say, okay, enough. I've had enough of your foolishness. And, you know, the whole thing about the subtle art of not giving an F is, in his words, it's you only have so many Fs to give about things, and you have to give them to the important things. It's a great way to put it. it, it it's, 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 a, it's a new, it's a 21st uh, century version of... Um, uh, what am I going to say? Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Forgot about that one. Yeah. So I, I think that's... Uh, I think it'll be good. I think the first one comes out soon. Yeah. This week, probably. So we'll have to... We'll judge it and we'll talk about it. My official recommendation, I told you once my traveling started, I'd be reading more and watching a little less TV, which is always a good thing. There's a really good new book by a gentleman named Arthur C. Brooks and Oprah Winfrey called How to Build the Life That You Want. And he is a researcher, an academician who studies into the, the art of happiness. So basically, these are my words. We often see happiness as a destination and we get destination attachment. Whenever I get blank, I'm going to be happy. Whenever I get that new house, I'm going to be happy. Whenever I get married, I'm going to be happy. Whenever I get that PhD, I'm going to be happy. Whenever I get that big job, I'm going to be happy. He says that type of thinking is like being on, his words, a hedonic treadmill. You're like a rat in a cage on a wheel, and you really never get to this imaginary psychological destination called happiness. Those are just kind of things and ideas and concepts. He says that happiness is a skill and it's steeped in gratitude. And he really gives some unique practical ways in which we can attain and build a happy life. It's, it's a skill, it's also a choice. And you're right because I think people are like, oh, if I get this, then this is going to work. And then there's the next thing over the horizon. And you, you get there, and, and, and I'm reminded, you know, Brett Favre used to be one of my favorite football players, but he's just kind of gone off the deep <laughs> end. But he would always tell the story when, they won, when the Packers won the Super Bowl. He said, I'm standing up there, I'm the, I'm, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got the Super Bowl trophy in my hand. I'm standing like, is this all there is? I, I've just won the Super Bowl. Probably explains, and I'm not making light of this, like his addictions and his – Right, because he had that. Yeah, because he had, he had, yeah, he had, he had a, a painkiller addiction. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is one of those things. Sometimes you you think, oh, if I get this, and then you get there, and you're like, huh, what now? Yeah, what now? What am I? What am I going to do next? But and, you you use the nomenclature of the term contentment often. I think that's what it is. I, I think yeah, I think if we're, if we're if you're looking for a good life goal or a good state of being, contentedness or joy. To me, joy is something that is more long lasting. Happy. Happiness is a slice of chocolate cake. Yeah, it's pleasure-based. Yeah, it's pleasure-based. And so there's a difference between happiness and joy, but you're right. There's so many, um, I think even at Ivy League schools, they're teaching courses on happiness. And I don't know what they're teaching at Ivy League schools now. but <laughs> and, and Oprah writes a little bit in it. like She has little anecdotes and stories, but it's primarily him. But it's an outstanding read. He says one of the worst things that we can do is try to avoid pain and suffering because it's a part of the human condition right so instead sort of bring our awareness to it and deal with it yeah and if you're going to the ryan holiday route or the stoic route the obstacle is the way correct because you can't get anywhere if there if there are never any barriers so that, that that's uh i like that I have to check that out um as per usual yes there, there are there are going to be grievances and 
I think everybody is aware by now that 18 people were killed, 13 were injured in a mass shooting in Maine. And what struck me about this, along with all the other mass shootings that we've had in this country, is that um, we have basically enshrined the right through the Second Amendment. And look, I'm, I'm fine with responsible gun ownership. I draw the line at people who have mental illnesses being able to buy AR-15s. That, that's where I kind of draw the line. But we've enshrined the right of that man, who I will not name here because he doesn't deserve to be named, to go in to buy an AR-15. He's been in a mental institution. He's been diagnosed with mental illness. He can buy these guns. Now, some guy, And all the guns, they admitted, were, were purchased legally. Why do we need AR-15s at all? Well, that's really? that's 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 another that's a whole other grievance. Hunting is one in. thing. Or- right, right. And like I said, I'm for responsible gun ownership. If you have a shotgun, you want to shoot quail. If you have a, a rifle, you want to shoot deer. That's fine. You want to do target practice with your pistol? Fine. Go to the range? Fine. Fantastic. I don't. I'm I'm cool with it. But it's the AR-15 in the hand of somebody who's mentally unstable that I that I have the issue with. And so that guy's right is enshrined by this crazy interpretation of the Second Amendment, because this guy was not part of a militia, okay? He, he, was, he was a lone gunman. Uh, his rights are enshrined, but what about the rights of kids to a school lunch, to health care services? People don't have uh, the opportunity maybe to have shelter or food, because we don't want to have those social, social safety net programs, because that's socialism, and we can't have that. So people who are trying to better themselves don't get help, but somebody who's mentally ill can walk in and legally purchase a gun. Oh, the red flags were all over the place for this guy. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and they were basically ignored. And at a press conference yesterday, uh, law enforcement said, yeah, these, these were legally purchased. And some of them were purchased years ago. Some of them were purchased more recently. Um, and I just... This is where we are in America, where the rights of a mentally ill person to purchase a weapon of war is greater than the right of you or me to go to, as people in that case in Maine, we're trying to go to a bowling alley and have a nice night out. And, and that, that you, you just want to stand up and say, make it make sense. Make it make sense. And then Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, and the NRA double down and say, we will never, ever, ever support background checks. And what I find so ironic about it, the NRA was founded as a gun safety organization. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, and it's like, like I said, just, just, just make it make sense. Responsible gun ownership, fine. I'm fine with it. But what we're seeing right now, and there was even a, a graph that was shown on social media that when the assault ban was lifted, the number of mass shootings just extrapolated by crazy, crazy numbers. And so... Um, you know, and, and Mike Johnson is saying, well, this is because of radical femini- feminism and no-fault divorce. Come on. Jeez. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, radical feminism. None of these mass shooters are women, by the way. They're idiots that vote for this guy. This is a scary thing. Yeah. In, in Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's my grievances or grievance. I've got so many. I guess I'll start with, I think it was last week I, or maybe two weeks ago. I had mentioned, I feel like we live in a society where it's more important to emote and have an outburst and to speak in in such a manner than to actually have the facts or any semblance of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. There's a type of male, probably our age, middle-aged men 
that fall into the category of being a man baby. Mm -hmm. And these are people that don't know how to regulate their emotions under seemingly normal circumstances in society. Example is one of my air travel, I don't want to say catastrophes, one of the many challenges I had this week, and this is a normal week. Um, I'm getting off the plane. I'm going from New Orleans to Philadelphia. I've got to literally run to catch my flight. That's how tight they book connections these days, but that's a whole different issue. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting off the ramp. I'm near the front of the plane, probably three or four seats back. And there are people walking. Typically people, when we walk, it's a little bit like driving. I hate to be so pedantic. <laughs> if you're walking faster, you're on the left. If you're walking slower, you're on the right. When you're getting off the ramp, usually people walk single file. Mm -hmm. And if you need to, you can pass them. So there was a couple in front of me who were walking really slowly together. And I said, excuse me, may I pass you on the left? I'm going to have to run to catch my connecting flight. Sure. They let me by. The guy behind me, an obvious man baby, said, oh, this guy thinks he's better than everyone else. Oh, geez. And I turn around. I said, no, I've just got to catch my flight. Well, we all have to catch our flight. And this is one of these guys kind of, uh, he's wearing an American patriotic shirt, kind of overweight, had a ginger beard, almost looked like Chris Kringle in those old claymation cartoons. <laughs> yeah. The gin blossoms from drinking too much bourbon in first class. I don't know how he was in first class. I wasn't. I was right behind it. Um, and I said, excuse me? And he looks at me. He goes, you could tell he'd been drinking and emotional regulation is not his thing. He goes, you're an ass blank, mm -hmm. an a-hole. You'd be proud of me. My younger self, I probably would have said something or gotten into it with him. I just start laughing. And I say, that's interesting. That's interesting. And as I'm running off to catch my flight, he's yelling at me that I'm an a-hole. And it's just kind of indicative of society now. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. You can say anyone to anything, and it's not like it's even off limits anymore. There's no decorum. There's no restraint. Um, you know, so anyway, that's my grievance. Just people who don't know how to conduct themselves in, in a proper way. Yeah. If I would have knocked the lady down or just didn't say excuse me and kind of stepped in front of them, it still wouldn't justify being called an a-hole by someone who was not even involved. In yeah, it. yeah. But anyway, mm. there, there you have it. Felt felt he needed to show his alleged manhood. Well, yeah, it's just like, and it's funny because he wasn't, you know. But um, just people acting however they want. It's like people tearing down the posters of the Israeli kidnapped people. And now it's a social media thing. Why, why are you doing that? What... You know, just people feel entitled to act any way they want to act like in public. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, decorum has, has gone out the window and people can say what they want. And I think it's, it's maybe a spillover of the anonymity of Twitter because you can say anything you want on, on Twitter or X and there very rarely are repercussions. And so you think, well, if I can do that online, this guy standing behind you, he doesn't know you. You don't know him. So he can say whatever he wants because he doesn't know you. And it's sort of, yeah, it's indicative of the division that we have or the divisiveness in society now. I'm sure he looked at me. I'm in a dress shirt. I had that presentation. Mm -hmm. Nice pair of slacks, decent shoes. 
carrying a, ba- a nice bag and he's this guy in jeans that just had six probably Jack and Cokes, whatever he was drinking, uh, with his rosy cheeks and his Harley Davidson shirt. And it's just, oh, that's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, you're you're bougie bougie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't like my Louis Vuitton bag. Shame on him, man. (laughs) So whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it is. is, uh... I think it's just we can still walk the high road and have manners and have decorum and uh, try to be pleasant to each other despite those people who are never going to be happy about anything or anyone else. Yeah. And, and taking the high road, it, it can be kind of difficult because if you're, if you're in a bad moment and you're trying to catch a plane and some guy's going to harass you because you asked to, uh, ask, to pass nicely. On the le- ask nicely to pass on the left and the people who let you, let you go, they didn't care. Well, I turned around and I said, it's like driving a car. You got to get over sometimes, man. I said, excuse me. I don't care that you said excuse me. It's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I hope he's, li- I doubt he's listening. No, no, no. Uh, we do have some listeners. I, I promise reviews. I promised that I would read if anybody left comments that I, I, that I would read them. So uh, this comes from uh, uh, somebody with a screen name, two miles a day. I don't know if they're a jogger or, or what. Um, insightful podcast is a headline. It says the live a little podcast is a delightful and engaging show that I've been enjoying. The hosts have a fantastic chemistry, which makes for entertaining and insightful conversations. They cover a wide range of topics, making, making each episode a pleasant surprise. The show's blend of humor, information, and relatability keeps me coming back for more. If you're looking for a podcast that's both entertaining and thought provoking, give live a little a listen. I like that. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Well, well done. Thank you. And then the notorious DOT with the headline, A Mindful Statler and Waldorf. I appreciate the championing of mental health awareness, whether in crisis or preemptively for tool acquisition. Don't be afraid to explore options for help. With gratitude, he signs off. Thank you. So appreciate that. Both of you, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. So a mindful Statler and Waldorf. So uh, I guess that would bring... I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely take that. Any, any uh, relationship to the Muppets is, is a good one. So, uh, so what do you got for us mindfully right now? We, we touched on a little bit of it with... Um... So good timing. As I was driving over, a really good friend of mine named Stephen Jordan in Louisville mm-hmm. has started uh, a walking regimen mm-hmm. to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And he said he walked, he got his steps every day in the month of October. Nice. So shout out to him. It made me think that... We live in this world of instant gratification. You and I have talked a lot about this Mm -hmm. before, where we want everything the way that we want it, and we want it right now. And pretty much we can get that in in the world that we live in. Amazon.com, baby. Uh, Uber Eats for me. That's my one of of my downfalls. Or watching streaming TV. You can stream whatever you want. (laughs) Uber Eats and food delivery. That was going to be one of my grievances. So overrated. So overpriced, rather. (laughs) It's not overrated. I think it's great, but it's overpriced. Without a doubt. All the service fees. But, you know, you always see this terminology, and I, I can't stand the term life hack. Anything that comes packaged typically as a life hack is not sustainable over time. And from a mindfulness perspective, anything that we want is going to take time, dedication, forethought, and implementation. So like my friend Stephen, he's lost a bunch of weight. He's walking every day. He's getting his steps. He's not quite big enough 
and Stephen, this is a comp. You're not anywhere big enough where he would need surgery. But a lot of people get surgery because mm -hmm. they don't want to exercise or they don't want to diet. I'm not judging them on that, mm -hmm. but it seems to be sort of part of that hack mentality or might take medicine with side effects for that. I always have some people who I coach and just friends will ask me, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, but the, what's a great mindful practice for me to lose weight? And I say, move more and eat less. It's, you know, <laughs> it's not that hard. No, doesn't have to be intermittent fasting. I know people that do that. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but it doesn't seem like it would be grounded in, in good health for me. It's almost like if you want to get your mind right, you need to meditate, as you know, Pete, every day and work on your mind and thinking about your thinking, whether it's mental or emotional or physical. There's a saying I like to use or a question. I frame it this way is how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. You try to eat the whole elephant, you're going to choke on it. It's funny, the first time I ever said that in one of my sessions with one of these college basketball teams, I posed that question and someone in the back of the film room, one of the players said, who in the F wants to eat an elephant? I'm like, well, you're kind of missing the point here. But I think that's, a, that's our good mindfulness tip of the day is be patient with yourself. You don't have to have a perfection mindset, but get hooked into the rituals and routines of doing things over and over and good things that are sustainable don't come wrapped up instantaneously in little life hacks. No, no. I mean, and the Stoic philosophers will tell you that it is all about the process day after day after day. And in the case of nutrition and eating, um, years ago, I saw a nutritionist when, when I was living in Portland, and he said, look, it's really simple. You burn more calories than you take in, you're going to lose weight. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would query, yeah, but what about fettuccine Alfredo? He said, you can have a cup. Yeah. That, and, and, and you can have some. Yeah. But you have three chips and get the, t I, I love the salt. I'm more of a salt guy mm -hmm. than a sweets guy. Have three of the chips, get the salt, get the taste. Yeah. And, and then kind of move on. Well, and it also relates to the whole mindfulness because think about what you're eating. Yeah. Eat it, mindfully. Right. So eat slowly. Yeah. Put Chew the fork slowly down. slowly and think about how it tastes and the, the sensations and, the Japanese have this saying, eat till you're 80% full. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. But if we're just wolfing it down like we usually do, just in a manner to fuel up, we don't think about that. Right. Yeah. That is, uh, that is that. Well, because there, there is a delay between what your stomach tells your brain. So before you are actually full, you're actually, you're actually full. Your brain just doesn't know it. So that's where, that's where I think the 80% thing comes in. Um, speaking of international stuff, did you know... We gave you the reviews. Did you know that we uh, recently have had downloads from the Netherlands, Spain, the United Kingdom, and Mexico? Wow. We've also had them previously from Canada and from Ireland. So we're nearing like 500 downloads. So uh, How many countries is that total? Not to put you on the spot. I, 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 think, it's, I, think, the it's about, I think it's about six or, six or seven different international. countries. Yeah. Look at that. So I don't, I don't know. That's if, why we do that, Pete. I know as a TV guy, you're always worried about our total numbers. <laughs> always worried about care. ratings. I don't I'm yeah, worried I about ratings. Just, it's <laughs> occupational hazard. I get it. Yeah. But for me, one, it's an opportunity for us to talk, not just on surface stuff, but two, it's that. The outreach that we have. 
Yeah, it's, it's positive cool. impact internationally. That's yeah, it's, what it's, it's about. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, how did, how did they come to this? How did, how did they find this? So I, I, do, I do find that to be very interesting because the whole international reach, and I talked about the, the guys from, from Chile and um, Australia coming over. They're to, either Grizzly the fans and or Arsenal fans because we talk about those I would I would imagine so. I would imagine so. So we'll, we'll see. So shout out to our friends in the Netherlands, Spain, UK, and in Mexico. And like I said, we've, we've had... We've had Canada and we've had um, we've had Ireland. I don't know if that's Aaron Malloy or not. Really, really not sure. Um, all right. So, uh, so do you have any other airline stories outside of the outside of the guy uh, with the grievance? Yeah, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. It's just <laughs> ridiculous how close they book these flights when you have connecting flights. Yeah, I think forty minutes is the minimum. And I got and I know you you love Chicago for various myriad of reasons. Mm -hmm. Chicago, the city is great, but the airport O'Hare is the absolute worst. Even if you have an hour between flights connecting, it's not a good thing. I had I, I spent many hours in that airport. I'm not going to go into it the other night, and I had to run, and just it's terrible. The way that it's laid out and the way that it's lettered, I was going to say numbered, um, not my favorite airport at all. I'll take Atlanta any day of the week. And, and well, yeah, because you have the train to go between the different terminals. Chicago can be hard to navigate because it's been so crazy quilted from the day that it was started and they just keep adding tendrils. And so, you know, now you've got all the way from A to what, like J concourses. And if you're flying American, which I fly American I most, do too. Of the, most of the I time. We're gluttons for punishment, I guess, for American. Their, their, their gates are, are spread out forever. I remember when I- G to L. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Because there aren't any letters in between those that I can ever tell. Well, you, but it we takes don't. Forever. Well, you don't want to do I because then it looks like a one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's 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 the reason. I've for spent that. several nights in that airport before, and uh, it's just it's, and it takes forever at night when you're coming in. You taxi on that airport could be thirty or forty-five minutes. I've sat on my plane and watched what it should have been my next flight with me on it, take off mm -hmm. from the runway before. Yeah. So, and it's, and, and where you land, the direction you land and the, and the length of the taxi is totally dependent on the weather, which way the wind is blowing. And I remember, cause for, for a number of years, I worked for the university of Notre Dame and for flying from South Bend, you had to fly to Chicago. There was nowhere else to fly to connect, to go anywhere else. And so many times he's like, please, I don't want us to have to land to the West because then you have to fly all the way over the lake and then come all the way back. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Take, I mean, it takes forever. Yeah. I used to, I would go from Memphis to Chicago when I was working with Marquette, and then it was like a 20-minute flight to Milwaukee. As soon as you're going up, you're coming down. Yeah. Didn't mind that so much, but sometimes getting out was rough. And, of course, Chicago, winter, snow, summer, thunderstorms. So, yeah, there, there, there are issues, uh, issues to be sure to be had at O'Hare. And a lot of times, if, uh, sometimes if you're flying a regional jet, you are, like, way on the L concourse, and then you've got to go to the, like, three concourses over, and it's, it's, it's a walk. And, um, oh, it's a haul. I was running, and you know the situation with my knees. It mm -hmm. wasn't, I was, when I finally got to where the plane was, I'd had to run so far and so fast. I haven't run forever. I walk every day like Stephen, but I never, I never run. There was a really nice gentleman next to me in the next seat over and he had a mask on and I was coughing and sweating so hard just from running. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm in, I'm fairly, I'm a skinny dude, I'm, but my cardio must be terrible. Um, I'm sure he thought I had COVID. He was trying to get away from me. 
So there you go. There you go. More airline stories, I am sure, to follow. What's ahead? Um, I, I mentioned this uh, going to Salt Lake City and to Portland. We got a three-game road trip. The first game in Portland is going to be the first game of the in-season tournament that the NBA has instituted this year. And those of you who are basketball fans saw that uh, the NBA released the images. They have created special courts for all 29 buildings, all 30 teams, 29 buildings, because the Lakers and Clippers play in the same building. Uh, Memphis's is going to be gray. Gray. It's going to be gray. Uh, and the Bearhead logo is going to be black and gold. And uh, so the team's going to wear their new City Edition uniforms for these games. There are six pods of five teams. And so Memphis is with Phoenix, Lakers, Jazz, and um, Trailblazers. So you're going to play, everybody's going to play their four group games. And then the six group winners plus two wild cards will advance to a knockout round. And then the semifinal and the final will be played in Las Vegas. So this is something brand new. It's almost like the FA Cup in English soccer. Right. This is something that the NBA has investigated for a long, long time. They have felt that adding another competition, particularly early in the season, gives, gives some incentive to play early. And it also gives the NBA another tentpole event because for casual NBA fans, they feel that the season does not start until Christmas Day. Christmas Day is when everything starts. College football is pretty much over except for the bowl games. Uh, the NFL still has a ways to go. Uh, so they wanted to have something in December, November, December. The finals are going to be, I, th I think the finals December the 9th for the in-season tournament. So they wanted to have that to drum up some interest. So you go from the in-season tournament to the Christmas games to then the all-star break, then to the race to the playoffs, and so that there's this continual desire for people to watch. And I thought it was, it was interesting because the NBA said, look, we want to make this super special and we want to make it above and beyond the graphics and the telecasts. So the courts, everybody's court is going to be painted a solid color. There will not be any just plain varnished wood anywhere. So Memphis is going to be gray. We're going to go to Portland. Portland's court is going to be bright blazer red. I figured. Which is, which is going to be kind they of... They call it the Rose City, right? They do it call it the Rose City. There is actually a, the, the International Rose Test Garden is there, and it's, it's a wonderful spot high up on a hill overlooking the city. I, I certainly recommend that, that you go there, and with all the rain, the roses are, are beautiful pretty much year-round. Is that where the red comes from yeah. for the blazer? Okay. Yeah. Be, the, the arena before they sold out to Moda, which I think is a healthcare organization of, of some sort, it was called the Rose Garden. And I, I still call it the Rose Garden because I think it's, it's, it's a great name for an arena. But in any event, yeah, so it's, it's going to be red. And then their tagline from their late, great uh, radio play-by-play -play guy, Bill Shonnelly, is Rip City. And what they've done is they've done it in script. And if you remember the Blazers back when they won the championship in 77, Dr. Jack Ramsey wore very plaid jackets and or plaid pants. The Rip City in the center jump circle is in plaid. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, so I mean, there, there are a lot of really uh, interesting designs, and I thought it was people were complaining about it. It's like, look, the NBA wanted to make a visual statement that when you watch that game, ah, this is an in-season tournament game, and people are complaining about the Man courts. Man babies, no doubt. Yeah, apparently, apparently, yeah, that have had way too many Jack and Cokes like at, at 7 in the morning or something like that. Listening to Van Halen. <laughs> Hey, hey, don't knock me I like early Van Hagar. Not Van Hagar as much. But. Van Hagar. Uh, Maybe I, we say listening to Creed. 
Creed. Okay. Well, in any event, that uh, that's pretty much a wrap for this edition of uh, Live a Little is Crazy Little Podcast with uh, Greg Graber, educator and mindfulness uh, guru and Pete Pranick, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. We hope that you enjoyed. Please do go to Apple and Spotify, rate, review, and yeah, if there are more, uh, there are more reviews. Yeah, we will read reviews. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, we do appreciate the uh, we do appreciate all the listenership and uh, and the the faithful listenership all around the world. Live a little comes to you live and direct from the. Uh, World Galactic Headquarters of Pranica Media in East Memphis. We don't have a producer. We don't have an editor. It's just the two of us. Recording this morning, uh, I've got coffee. Greg's got nothing. We don't have a beer because it's way too early for that. But we hope that you enjoyed the show and you will stay tuned for episode 13 whenever our schedules uh, sync up that we can actually record it. So, Mr. Graber, good to be with you. You too, my man. Safe travels. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening.